गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीबडी आई स्निग्धा शर्मा आई एम गोइंग टू प्रेजेंट द हिंदू एडिटोरियल डेटेड फोर्थ दिसंबर 2020. दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोज हु डू नॉट हैव टाइम टू रीड न्यूज़पेपर पेपर द एनालिसिस ऑफ द एडिटोरियल इज गिवन ऑन द लास्ट सेगमेंट ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड हैप्पी प्रिपरेशन The first passage of the day is personal choices the constitution constitution's endurance the labad high court verdict in salamat ansari is a reminder of the constitution's most cherished values suhirt partisarthi is the author of this article in a short and well reasoned order the labad high court declared last month the religious conversions even when made solely for the purpose of marriage constituted a valid exercise of person's liberties the high court ruled that the freedom to live with a person of one's choice is intrinsic to the fundamental right to life and personal liberty in holding thus the order recognized that a society rested on the foundations of individual dignity that a person's freedom is not conditioned on the caste creed or religion that a partner might claim to profess and that every person had an equal domin- dominion over their own sense of conscience none of this ought to need spelling out in a secular democratic republic not least over 70 years after its founding but such are the times that we live in with various state governments undertaking projects to outlaw what they describe pejoratively as love jihad that this decision is an important reminder of the constitution's goals and premises right to privacy the high court's order make it clear that it neither the province of the state nor any other individual to interfere with a person's choice of partner or faith by invoking the supreme court judgment and putta swami the high court held that an individual's ability to control vital aspect of her life in her in hers in her right to privacy that this promise includes the preservation of decisional autonomy on matters among other things of personal intimacies the sanctity of family life marriage procreation the home and sexual orientation petitioners versus state the petitioners salamat ansari and priyanka harwar had approached the high court seeking order to quash fir that was lodged against them the fir alleged that a series of crime had been committed including one under section 366 of ipc which criminalizes the abduction of a woman with an interest to compel her to marry against her will the petitioners the petitioners claimed that they were both adults competent to contract a marriage and had in fact wedded in august 2019 as per muslim rites and ceremonies only after mr harwar had converted to islam they said they had been living together for more than a year and that their peace and happiness had been threatened by the prospect of prosecution the state resisted these claims it argued that mr ansari and ms khawas partnership had no sanctity in sanctity in the law because a conversion with a singular aim of getting married was illegitimate in making this argument the government relied on a pair of judgments delivered by single judges of alabad court in particular on the judgment of noor jahan versus state of up 
There, the High Court had held that a conversion by an individual to Islam was valid only when it was predicated on a change of heart and on an honest conviction in the tenets of the newly adopted religion. Additionally, the High Court had ruled that the burden to prove the valid validity of conversion was on the party professing the act. Therefore, in Salamat Ansari, it was argued that it was for the woman to establish that her conversion was born out of her conscience and out of deep-seated belief in the teaching of a new religion. The division bench rejected this theory. It held that the judgment of Noor Jahan was incorrectly incorrectly delivered. Marriage, the High Court said, is a matter of choice and every adult woman has a fundamental right to choose her own partner. Even such a decision encourages other concomitant decisions including a choice of religion and state can have little to do with it. According to the High Court, the constitution is violated every time matters of intimate and personal choices are made vulnerable to the paternal whims of the state. Freedom of Conscience Important as these findings might be, the verdict in Salamat Ansari is not a product of any interpretive ingenuity. Article 25 of the Constitution expressly protects the choices that the individual make. In addition to the right freely to profess, practice and propagate religion, it guarantees to every person the freedom of conscience. By its dictionary definition, conscience refers to each person's own sense of moral right and wrong. It is an emotion that cannot be judged from the outside. It is certainly not something that the state can examine as a function of its sovereign authority. Moreover, the idea of protecting one's freedom of conscience goes beyond mere consideration of religious faith. This much is evident when we ask ourselves why the constitution accords any protection at all to religious beliefs. Contrary to what some might think, the safeguard that the document affords to religion is not because there is something innate in religious faith that demands special security. On the other hand, this liberty is promised because questions of conscience, which include choice of faith, are matters of ethical autonomy. The provision's ultimate reason then to allow individuals the freedom to lead their lives as they please. On this understanding, we see that to their Together, a person's choice of religion to her knowledge of that faith is to render nugatory to the ability of person to express her own sense of conscience. In overruling Noor Jahan, the division bench of the High Court said that it did not see Priyanka Kharwar and Salamat as Hindu and Muslim, but it saw rather as two grown-up individuals who, out of their own free will and choice, are living together peacefully and happily. A tenuous peace. How long, though, can this tenuous peace last? Already seemingly in response to the judgment, the government of Uttar Pradesh has introduced an ordinance which makes not only religious conversions that are forcefully obtained an offence but also declares void any conversions found to be made solely for marriage. In supporting the law, the state will likely to rely on 1977 Supreme Court judgment and Rev. Stanislaus v. State of Madhya Pradesh that the court upheld. Grounds of Public Order, two of the earliest anti-conversion statues in India, the Madhya Pradesh Dharma Swatantra Adhiniyam 1966 and Odisha Freedom of Religion Act 1967. These laws require that a district magistrate can be informed each time a conversion was made and prohibited any conversion that was obtained through fraud or illegal inducement.
we cannot doubt the proposition that no person should be compelled to choose a certain religion but to open up to scrutiny every act of a conversion by placing on individual the burden to prove their decision was conscientious consentious intends a form of hard paternalism where purely private choices are made subject to the state's ultimate sanction respect people's choice today it is hard to see how rev Tens laws continues good constitutes good law. In his treatise on constitutional law, the jurist H. M. Servai wrote that the judgment is clearly wrong, is productive of the greatest public mischief and ought to be overruled. Since then, a nine-judge bench ruling of the Supreme Court in Puttaswamy has recognized that every individual possesses a guarantee freedom of thought. that at the core of liberty is the right of person to decide for themselves how they want to lead their lives when we fail to acknowledge and respect the most intimate and personal choice that people make choices of faith and belief and choices of partners we undermine the most basic principles of dignity a constitution's endurance depends on our ability to respect these decisions to grant to every person an equal freedom of conscience so is the purtasati purtasati is an advocate practicing at madras high court The second passage of the day is farmers protest the core is procurement farmers of Punjab and Haryana need MSP procurement system but the government needs it even more for the PDS Farmers protests have erupted once again in North India and farmers unions want nothing short of a complete withdrawal of the recently enacted form acts which they claim will ruin small and marginal farmers their main worry is about possible withdrawal of MSP and dismantling of public procurement of grain grains you also contend that by leaving farmers to the mercy of the open market the stage has been set for large private players to take over agriculture epicenter of the unrest on the other hand the government claims that the acts will only increase options for farmers in the output markets that the msp procurement system will continue and there is absolutely no plan to dismantle the system to support its claims the government points to the fact that there is absolutely no mention of either msp or procurement in acts so why are the farmers so hesitated as to go on march to delhi which according to reports even turned ugly in several places it needs to be noted that the protests are largely in the states of punjab and haryana if the government's assertions are true then why are farmers in these states so rattled and how true are the claims that counter claims put forth by the two sides for a start the government's claim that there is no mention of his msp procurement in the acts is true it is also true that a large scale public procurement of paddies going on in punjab as a protests are raging but farmers are really worried and appeared uh, prepared for long haul why if it is the lifeline here the pds is the lifeline in these state farmers in punjab and haryana are heavily dependent on public procurement and short price to msp There, this is far greater than farmers in any other state. Nearly 88% of the paddy production and 70% of the wheat production in Punjab and Haryana has been absorbed through public procurement. Food Grains Bulletin Agriculture Statistics at a glance, Government of India. In contrast, in the other major paddy states such as Andhra Pradesh, Telangana, Odisha, Uttar Pradesh, only 44% of the rice production is procured by public agency. In the case of wheat, this percentage is even lower. In major wheat states of Madhya Pradesh and Uttar Pradesh, only a quarter of the production is procured by public agencies. This clearly shows that the heavy dependence of farmers in Punjab and Haryana on MSP and the public procurement system. In a sense, the system has been the lifeline of these states. 
इट इज कंसीवेबल दैट एनी डिस्ट्रप्शन ऑफ द सिस्टम रियल और परसीव्ड विल कॉज अ मेजर अपहेवल द फार्मर्स आर नाउ अप एन आर्म्स अगेंस्ट द गवर्नमेंट एज ए परसीव देयर वेरी एग्जिस्टेंस टू बी एट स्टे गवर्नमेंट्स ऑब्लिगेशन द गवर्नमेंट नीड्स टू कंटिन्यू प्रोक्योरमेंट टू वट इज मिस्ड इन द सिनारियोज दैट ए फार्मर्स ऑफ पंजाब एंड हरियाणा नीड द प्रोक्योरमेंट सिस्टम द गवर्नमेंट नीड्स इट इवन मोर दिस बिकॉज ऑफ दिस ऑब्लिकेशन अंडर पी डी एस एंड नेशनल फूड सिक्योरिटी एक्ट सपोर्ट अंडर एन एफ एस ए इज अ लीगल राइट बेस्ड इंटाइटलमेंट देर आर नियरली एटी करोड़ एन एफ एस ए बेनिफिशरीज एंड एन एडिशनल एट करोड़ माइग्रेंट्स हू नीड टू बी सपोर्टेड अंडर द पी डी एस द गवर्नमेंट्स नीड्स एन अनरप्टेड सप्लाई ऑफ ग्रेन्स पर्टिकुलरली फ्रॉम दीज टू स्टेट्स टू मेंटेन द पी डी एस इन द लास्ट थ्री ईयर्स नियरली फोर्टी परसेंट ऑफ द टोटल पेडी प्रोडक्शन इन द कंट्री एंड थर्टी टू परसेंट ऑफ वीट प्रोडक्शन दट इज थर्टी फोर मिलियन टन्स हैज बीन प्रोक्योर्ड बाई पब्लिक एजेंसीज टू सप्लाई द पी डी एस दिस ईयर ड्यू टू द ऑनसेट ऑफ द नोवल करोना वायरस पैंडमिक एंड द माइग्रेंट क्राइसिस द गवर्नमेंट हैज ईयर मार्क मच लार्जर क्वान्टिटीज फॉर पब्लिक डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन अबाउट फिफ्टी एट मिलियन टन्स ऑफ राइस एंड थर्टी सेवन मिलियन टन्स ऑफ वीट दिस ट्रांसलेट्स इन टू नियरली हाफ ऑफ द राइस प्रोडक्शन दट इज फोर्टी नाइन परसेंट एंड थर्टी afford to go to the open market that is a sure sure recipe for disaster as the prices will skyrocket and with the stock restrictions gone under the recent essential commodities act amendment there is a possibility of large scale hoarding too why these states matter if the government intend to procure such huge quantities of grains then then it needs to turn to these two states because it is always these states have always been in the forefront in supplying grains to procurement agencies nearly 35% of the rice and 62% of the wheat procured in the last 3 years has been from these states also nearly 50% of the total coarse grains come from these two states that the government has a little option but to continue its procurement from these states in the foreseeable future even after the covid-19 situation improves and the migrant crisis abates the obligations under the nfsa will continue it is clear that dismantling the procurement system is neither in the interest of farmers nor the government therefore it is imperative that the government reaches out to the farmer groups and assures them of the indispensability of msp procurement system the government needs to start this initiative immediately to allay their legitimate concerns improvement are needed apart from addressing the core issue of the msp procurement system many more improvements are needed in the act the absence of a regulatory mechanism to ensure fair play by private lack of transparency and trade areas transactions are two of the major limitations that need to be addressed immediately the severe trust deficit that resulted from way the farm bills have been rushed through needs to be addressed by adopting a conciliatory approach towards farms and states CSC Sekar is a professor of economics Institute of Economic Growth University of Delhi thank you all the third article of the day is the Iran challenge Biden must go back to nuclear deal without expecting further concession from Tehran when Joe Biden left the government in 2017 after having served as Barack Obama's vice president for 8 years the US Iran relation was totally different trajectory from what it is now the US along with other international powers had signed a nuclear deal with Iran in 2015 and both countries were cooperating in the war against the Islamic State in Iraq Then came Donald Trump who pulled the US out of the joint comprehensive plan action as a nuclear deal is called and remain imposed sanctions and reimposed sanctions on Iran. Now when Mr Biden would assume the presidency on January 20 one of his most 
dismissing early diplomatic challenge would be of Iran. During the campaign, his promise was to take the US back to the deal, but any such move would meet with strong opposition from its allies in West Asia, especially Israel. The assassination of Mohsen Fakhri Zadeh, the Iranian nuclear physicist, last week had escalated tensions in the region. Iran has blamed Israel for the attack. Israel has neither confronted, confirmed, nor denied reports of its involvement in the hit and vowed revenge. Any retaliatory actions by Iran could cause a further flare-up, even leading to an open war, which could scuttle scuttle diplomatic options for a Biden administration. After the election, uh, Mr. Biden has reaffirmed his commitment to the nuclear deal, but he has said he will seek to extend the restrictions on Iran, that is 15 years, according to the JCPOA, and discuss Islamic Republic's malign activities in uh, West Asia. This suggests that Mr. Biden, like Mr. Trump did, after unilaterally withdrawing from the agreement, would want amendments to the original accord. Mr. Trump had expected Iran to come to the table to renegotiate the table, but the deal, but Iran did not give it to the pressure. When the Trump administration exerted maximum pressure, Iran came with maximum resistance. The tension took both countries to the brink of war twice. First, when Iran shot down an American drone over the Gulf in June 2019, and then when the US killed an Iranian General Qasem Soleimani in January this year. The question now is whether Mr. Biden, with an emphasis on diplomacy, would manage to restore the lost trust between the two countries and be able to revive the deal. It is in everybody's interest that the nuclear deal is revived, which would not only deny Iran a path to the bomb, but also restore some order in the region. Mr. Biden will have to reassert himself and rein in America's allies from launching more provocative attacks on Iranian regime figures and press Iran to return to the terms of the agreement for the talks on the country's regional activities in return for economic and security assurance. Iran, on its part, would observe a strategic patience and give diplomacy another chance. passage of the day is timing it right. It is reasonable to plan for school exams in summer if progress on COVID-19 holds. Buoyed by vaccine optimism, education and administration are working with vigor to end the prolonged disruption to schooling and tra- to conduct traditional pen and paper public examination in 2021. The CBC, with more than 20,000 schools under its embit at the secondary level, has weighed in favor of written more tests, obviously counting on progress and dealing with the pandemic. As a system with 1.2 million students registering for its senior school certificate examination and covering schools for expatri- expatriates as well, the board is bellwether for academic schedule. Quite fortuitously, it was able to wrap up its 2020 examination schedule that began in mid-February without getting derailed by national lockdown in March. State boards, however, had yet to make their minds for a schedule for annual examination and academic session for the next year. Badly affected, Maharashtra and Gujarat are thinking of postponing the final examinations, reflecting the overall concern on lost academic activities. The Council for Indian School Certificate Examination, that is ICSE, has a to students allowed to school to open classes class in 12th, 10th and 12th in a limited way early in January. These dilemmas reflect those felt across the globe on arriving a safe compromise on schooling. In addition, there is also likely conflict between the summer elections in large states such as Tamil Nadu, West Bengal and Kerala and the examination schedule for 2021. 
The strongest argument in favor of a written board examination that it eliminates asymmetrical access including technological deficits and given all pupils an equal opportunity to score. Students are relieved that in land with experience in countries such as UK the syllabus has been significantly pared down and examination schedules may be put off by a few months beyond March. The availability of good vaccine that will also cover teachers and students through a staggered program is arguably key to determining the coming year's academic timetable. Education Minister Amish Pokhriyal moved to here moved to hear public concerns on such issues through an online consultation is a positive step to build consensus. The international view summarized by the US infectious diseases expert Dr. Anthony Fauci is that given a choice between bars and schools and is a letter that should be kept open, posing a lower risk of large-scale infections. India's better place in America of Europe to provide ventilated classroom an important factor in controlling viral spread because of the climate. Yet, definitive views on the school schedule for 2021 is not possible until the course of the pandemic over the next few months becoming clear. Poor adherence of two safety norms, uh, norms by the average citizen can only jeopardize the reopening of schools further, even with a vaccine available.